0: Lord, we recognize this morning that it's no small thing. It's a great thing, but it's a wonderful thing to be able to say, I lay me down. I lay me down. Hand on my heart. I am not my own. But I belong to you alone. and that my desire from the bottom of my heart is to know you and to serve you and to love you and to worship you above all else. And Lord, I, I pray this morning that where are in, in the midst of, of that challenge that comes from you and the song that we sang, that Lord, I thank you that you are not wanting to be oppressive by saying that, that if there are any here today who are saying, man, there's no way I can get to that place. I am not good enough. And I don't even know that God could really accept me because I did this or I thought that or I just can't get over this. I keep falling back on that. And Lord, I thank you, and we declare today that you are a loving, patient God, and that you wait patiently, and that when we seek you with all of our heart, we will surely find you, because we will discover that you have been pursuing us, and that we meet together And we recognize that we will still continue to fall and you will pick us up. But we will not stop seeking after you. And we will not become defeated. We will not become enslaved. We will not give ourselves up to despair because there's too much good from you. And so, Lord, I praise you that when we declare I belong to you alone, that we have that access to the creator of all that is good, we come to the Savior Jesus Christ, who has made possible for us access to so much that is good, everything we need for life and godliness as we focus on and remember the incredible grace that you have given to us and that you continually are pouring out to us, not to be abused, but to be appreciated, to marvel at, and to share with others. We declare today, Lord, your grace is sufficient Your grace is sufficient. Your grace, your free gift is sufficient. For when we live in that and we abide in that, everything changes. And I thank you, Lord, for that. And I pray, Lord, for those who are discouraged this morning, that their spirits would be lifted... By the remembrance of your grace. And that you are not removing your grace. You are calling us deeper. You are calling us into a deeper walk. Into a deeper relationship. Into a deeper commitment. Into a deeper sense of of obedience and following you. But as that that parent who is holding his hand back toward us. And say here take my hand. Come along with me. Your grace is sufficient. Oh Lord, I need to hear that. I need to hear that your grace is sufficient. And we stand on the rock who is Jesus Christ, knowing that that is just how strong and firm your grace is. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. You saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I am found. I was blind. I was spiritually blind, but now I can see. And one day I will see fully, even as I am fully known, in the presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord, as we come into your word today, Holy Spirit, we ask for you to illumine our hearts and to illumine our minds to help us to to see what you want for each of us. For your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Just a quick uh, little thing from last week. I had said that today I was going to show us uh, all the mission organizations that we support. Last week we showed the the individual family units. And uh, just pause and hold that thought for one more week. I'm going to bring them up next Sunday. Uh, we're coming to the final chapter of, of the book of Jonah today. And then next week we're going to move into the book of Nahum. And uh, in case you might wonder where Nineveh would be or where Nineveh is on a map uh, and where it would be in relation to, to the map today, I hope you can see that all right. There are a few colored countries and the one on the right side is, is Iraq And if you look up near the top right side, you'll see the the city of Mosul. You see that? And that is roughly approximately in that region where Nineveh was, right around there. And you might know that in the recent past, Mosul became an ISIS stronghold. And conflict in that region is still as intense today as it was 2,600 years ago. And just a few hundred kilometers to the west then, you will see Syria. And uh, it looks pretty close, but it's a few hundred kilometers to get from Mosul, Mosul into Syria. And I mentioned that. Because in Syria, there's been a complicated, very complicated, many-layered civil war that's been going on there since 2011. And you you may well have heard some of these stats, but the United Nations estimates that between 2011 and 2016, somewhere around 400,000 people were killed in that civil war. Isn't that staggering? 400,000 people. That's about the size of Waterloo region. Kitchener, Waterloo, Cambridge. And surrounding areas. 400,000 people. And over 20% of them, about 90,000 of them were civilians. Just innocent people. And I nearly wept as I read. you know how many people have been displaced as of 2016 from that region? 13 million people. 13 million human beings. 13 million beautiful people. Who need hope. Now, they weren't all displaced out of the country of Syria. From what I read, about 5 million of them. And that's still a staggering number. About 5 million people got up and needed to get out of the country, decided they needed to, and and they headed out of the country hoping for a new start to their lives. And some of, I, I know there's some people here today, some people part of this church, who have experienced that kind of intense stress and anxiety, of being a refugee. And I am stunned and I am grieved and I am reminded that so many complaints that we make or that come to our minds in our society are so frivolous. Do you agree with me? But in the moment, we forget how frivolous they are and how unimportant they are with the bigger picture, the kinds of things that we will complain about or we will hear com- people complain about. Just go on social media, right? We take a moment just to thank God for something right now. <laughs> Let's be thankful every day. And in our thankfulness, let's intentionally direct our thanks to God and thank God for the good things that we have experienced. Amen? The good things that we are blessed with and the good things that we can use to bless other people. Jonah had a lot to be thankful for too. And yeah, I think you can see that pretty okay. Just for your information, this is a, a little summary a snapshot of an estimation of when all of the prophets lived the hebrew prophets from the old testament so jonah lived in the northern two-thirds in the northern part of israel and it was a relatively prosperous time so jonah also had a lot to be thankful for just as we do evidently he was a person who believed in and trusted God, just like many of you here today. That's fair, good warning, because one day, he was just Jonah, the guy who believed in God and trusted in God. And then, on another day, he became Jonah the prophet. Because those are the sorts of people that God will speak to. Right. If 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 our spiritual lines of communication are open to God, and we are, we're genuinely committed to God, and 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 seeking after God, uh, we could we could become people. Any one of us through whom God wants to send a message. You never know who God wants to use if we are available and listening. Amen. You never know who God wants to use if we're available and listening. Amen? Amen. (laughs) That's so manipulative. (laughs) Do you believe it? Do you want to be available to God? It will be my joy to say, Your will, your way, Ah. You know what the next word is? Always. always, always, always. Lord God, I want to be available to you. And if you believe that, if that's your heart's cry, will you just straight up tell that, tell God that right now? Lord, I want to be available for you. That's where Jonah was at. Until a point. And we often, any of us could, could bump into the kind of wall that Jonah bumped into in his relationship with God. The Holy Spirit spoke to Jonah, turned him into a prophet, maybe through an angel or a vision or a dream, however God communicated it to him. And the message was Jonah, you go to Nineveh, east. Northeast, you go to Nineveh and tell them in 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. Now, if you look at this map again, you see where Israel is. Israel is down in the bottom left corner. Nineveh or Mosul is up in the top right corner. Perhaps that's reason number one why Jonah ran the other way. Because by the end of chapter 3, we haven't been given the reason yet why he ran away. Um, Unfortunately, Jonah is often portrayed as this uh, cartoon-like, not-to-be-taken-very-seriously guy who got a cool ride on the inside of a whale. And then he got shot out the whale's blowhole for a little fountain ride. And then the whale dropped him off at a local beach. I mean, that's kind of kind of the way it's portrayed because it's 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 portrayed uh, for for children to learn, and, and I'm not, you know, I'm okay with that. But it's it's really not quite uh, as fun as that the whole experience that Jonah had. The fact of the matter is that Jonah was a dude with a bad attitude. Right? He was a dude with a bad attitude. He thought he could run from God. And so rather than going northeast, he starts going west toward Joppa. Learned in dramatic fashion that he couldn't run from God. And so he concedes and says, All right, Lord, I give up. I'll go to Nineveh. I'll do what you want me to do. But now he is none too happy about having made himself available to God. Have you ever been in that place before? And you said, I'm just not sure. Just not sure if I made that right decision, Lord. Let me encourage you you made the right decision when you decided to follow Jesus. Amen? And Jesus said, We will experience trials. Jesus said that. Paul wrote that. So it ought not to be a surprise to us when we bump up against things either that God is sending us to do or that the enemy is bringing our way. We ought not to be surprised. So probable reason number one that Jonah ran away is because Nineveh was about 900 kilometers away. That's a long journey without fuel or batteries, isn't it? 900 kilometers. But probable reason number two why he ran away is because Nineveh was to Jonah as Syria's leadership is to a lot of people who've had loved ones victimized. Does that make sense? Nineveh was to Jonah like what Syria is to so many refugees and those who love the ones who have been displaced from Syria. Nineveh was an enemy of Israel. And so it had, over the course of time, no doubt done some nasty things to people. And it may be also that through other prophets... Jonah was aware, I don't know at what time he became aware, that Nineveh, part of Assyria, that Assyria would actually end up invading and taking his people captive. Maybe he knew that at that point. I don't know if it was that or if it was because of some behavior from Nineveh in the past as an enemy of theirs. It seems as though he despised the Assyrians and he didn't want to warn them about God's discipline because he probably wanted them to get what he believed they deserved. You ever been there? Man, I hope that person, yeah, I missed that job opportunity. I thought it was mine. I hope that person gets sick. That person said they were going to do something and they didn't keep their word and they didn't do it and this is not the first time and man, I hope they get caught. Ever been there? Well, Jonah nevertheless went to Nineveh and he warned them and the message was in 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. Last week I said he likely said added the word, repent. Because we know he said a lot more than just that phrase, in 40 days Nineveh will be overthrown. But somebody wisely pointed out to me this past week that he very well might not have said repent. And that the reason repent doesn't show up is because given his attitude toward Nineveh, maybe he didn't say that. He just said, you're going to get overthrown. Because he didn't want them to repent. That becomes very evident in chapter 4. He actually didn't want them to repent. But they did, right? Maybe they had heard about God, maybe they'd heard about Yahweh and the parting of the Red Sea and the ten plagues, and they didn't want that to happen to them. Whatever the reason was, they understood that this was very serious business. They replaced their clothing with sackcloth. They put ashes on their heads and they repented. And the king called the people to do that. And then we come to Jonah chapter 4. And we read this. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong that God would allow them to repent. And he became angry. And he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. Now, we didn't know that before, because there's a lot more backstory to things, right, in conversation. I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. This is one dramatic guy, isn't it? And the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Actually, in the the text, it's more like, Oh, yeah, really? Seriously? It's just this rhetorical question to Jonah. Seriously? That's That's what you're doing? That's what you're giving me? Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out, and he sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, And waited to see what would happen. Uh, Jonah had some time on his hands, right? He wasn't going to be home for dinner that night. It's 900 kilometers away. And so he hung out to see what would happen because he wanted to see Nineveh fall. Probably still hoping, but knowing that wasn't going to be the case. The way that he describes Jonah is a way that Moses had described God. I'm sorry, the way that Jonah described God as being compassionate is almost identically the way that Moses had referred to God in Exodus 34. And Jonah was probably well aware of that. And he knew knew the word of God, and that's why he said that. And he prays this, this drama king prayer. I've never heard of a drama king. But but he prays to die. That's how intensely he wanted revenge on Nineveh, for whatever. Even though he had just, in the belly of a fish, prayed to live. Wow! This guy is up and down like a roller coaster. And God puts this crucial rhetorical question to him. Because our ways are not God's ways. Even Job, in his intense agony, God said, were you there when I laid the foundations of the world? Of course you were. What Weren't you? Rhetorically. We may have the best reasoning imaginable for justice... Or for maybe getting even. But God's mercy continues. <laughs> now, I I think t- to a point, Jonah, Jonah probably seems to have had a case. I mean seriously, God, th- these these people are they're barbaric at times and, and, and they they ought to be punished for it. Who knows what experiences he had had. Or again, what, what he knew about what was going to be coming. And I think he got to the point that he believed that Nineveh should be beyond help. And hoping that Nineveh is beyond help. Number one, today, if you are concerned about being beyond help, you are not. Amen? Because God is patient, slow to anger, and abounding with loving kindness and compassion. You ever been like Jonah and, and have a short-term memory about God's grace? It, it, it can be even a little wee thing. It, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. It be, be a little thing like, like when I turned the corner just this week, driving the car, and I looked, and there was somebody sitting at the intersection texting. And and I, I, you know, I'm so tempted to just to hammer my horn and just to give them a scare. But then, as I'm driving along, of course, I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit. Have you ever done that? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I have. But you know, in the moment when we see somebody else doing something that we may actually have done ourselves at one point, maybe to a lesser degree, maybe to a greater degree, we become indignant at their behavior and maybe forget that, oh yeah, right, I've done that too lots of times. So on the news, how, how somebody, a city worker, was parked in the road in the van, pulled out, drove off, drove right through a red light. It didn't turn red. It was red already. It just drove right on through. And, and somebody, hap- somebody happened to get it on their dash cam. And so it went viral. And then the comments, like, oh, yeah, those city workers, they think they could do anything. They always behave that way. Blah, blah, blah. It was probably just an accident. Because I nearly did that in Stratford this week. You know that crazy intersection in downtown Stratford? You ever been through there? Like, that is wow. So if you're from Stratford watching this today, um, I love Stratford. In fact, I was born there. (laughs) My memory is very uh, foggy about it, but I was born there. We sometimes have a problem with our reasoning about justice because we make our comparisons in the moment and they are comparisons to behavior between people or about people. And we become very critical when we believe that our behavior is better than what we're observing. That's basically what happens. But it's the wrong assessment. Because while we, while we, need, we do need to do that, and we do need to call people to account, don't get me wrong, we need to do that in love. And, and we need to call people out sometimes with a desire to help, not to condemn. But what we forget is that the ultimate comparison we need to make is not our comparison with other people that makes us feel better because we're behaving better than they are, but rather our comparison needs to keep coming back to Jesus. And then we become happily humble. You know, humility does not have to be humiliation. And we can be joyful in a state of humility so that we become happily humble and say, Lord, wow, I just need to extend such the smallest fraction of grace that you have extended to me because I know over and over and over again I have abused grace. And I need to extend grace because you have extended it to me so abundantly. So when God says that something ought to be such and such, and when God says that grace needs to be offered and it needs to be extended, no matter how difficult it may be, that is what needs to be. Sometimes it's a process to get to that place, depending on how deep the wound is. Sometimes it's a process to get to that place. And and we have to just keep giving it up to the Lord because we know we can't do it on our own. And we we need to grant that. Some things are much more difficult than others to extend grace and forgiveness. Jonah was absolutely right in a way that in his little world, the Assyrians were bad and a lot of things that they did were without excuse. But he missed out that there's a point where forgiveness and grace are things that a person can't do in their own strength. And he just, he just wallowed in his unhappiness. As though somehow God didn't know what was right. But he knew that what God was doing was right. Because he knew the character of God. Let me, uh, let me read the, the remainder of this story. The Lord then provided a leafy plant, made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. There's this, there's this incredibly miraculous thing that happened. Jonah was very happy about the plant, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so he grew faint. He wanted to die again and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell the right hand from their left, and also many animals. That's a spiritual statement about not knowing the right hand from the left. God says they don't know the right hand from the left. Should I not extend grace to them too? What a great reminder. Whenever we're ticked off with somebody or whenever we ourselves have stumbled yet again, say, yes, Lord, you would extend grace. Even to those who are responsible For the deaths of 400,000 people, and that's a 2016, three more years have transpired since then. Even they could experience God's grace. I mean, what they don't realize is the very fact that they can breathe is an experience of God's grace in itself. But they could actually come to the Lord yet like Saul, who became Paul, did after persecuting Christians, which is what he did. And Jonah had planted an invisible seed of bitterness. While this plant grew up, he had within his heart a seed of bitterness that had taken root and grown a weed bigger spiritually than the vine that had, God had provided for his shade because this bitterness, was it, it was consuming him. It prevented him from being able to see past it to Nineveh the way that God did to see through God's lenses and through God's eyes. Or to use a running metaphor in this series about we're all running somewhere, that that kind of bitterness is like lactic acid. If you've been, if you've been involved in, in, in sports and, and you spend a long time, an intense time of training, or if you run a marathon and you get to 25 or 30, somewhere in there, you hit the wall. That's what they call it. And it's it's real. And what the wall is, is it's lactic acid. And And lactic acid is created because our bodies use... Ox- I looked this up. I use oxygen to break down sugar, glucose. We break down that sugar and we use that for energy. But during intense exercise, there's not enough oxygen available to complete the process because you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And so a substance called lactate is made. And it can build up in the bloodstream faster than we can burn it off because you just keep going and going and going. And that's what happens at the wall. And the point when lactic acid starts to build up, it's called the lactate threshold. And I think that's just a great illustration of how when we just keep running something back over our minds over and over and over again, And we get worked up about something somebody did. And we are maybe legitimately upset. Maybe not. But it consumes us. And it's like that lactic acid begins to build up and build up and build up. So that we hit a spiritual wall. And we cannot expect blessing. And we cannot expect guidance and direction from God. Because we've put a wall up. That we've hit. And until we stop and listen to the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to shower that grace back to us and that we can say, Lord, I need to be right with you. I'm in a place where I can't hear you because I put this wall up. And the Lord will. He'll help you bring down that wall that he will help for that lactic acid to get through the bloodstream. When we've stopped, and that oxygen, we're able to get more oxygen into our systems. We're able to get more of the Holy Spirit into our systems, and we can breathe again, spiritually. Is there anyone in your life that you hope gets what you think should be coming to them? I will be honest, and I will say that uh, in my life right now, there's a pair of people who have really rubbed me the wrong way. I'm not a fan. And, but, I won't, but I won't say, and you know who you are. No, it's... Because <laughs> it's nobody here. I mean, I experienced grace this morning uh, because I I set up an old alarm clock, clock radio for seven o'clock p.m. (laughs) and my thankfully my iPad went off after eight. I went but wonderful grace was extended to me. Because, you know, even something small like that, it could just rub us and get us and say, man, I'm I'm, going to remember that. I'm going to hold that against that person. Or maybe we don't even realize we're going to hold it against them, but we just do it because that's a pattern. And I'm grateful for grace today. When I came and I began serving here at Wilmot Center about a year ago, um, there was a person, and by the grace of God, um, I've been delivered from that. And I praise God. I mean, it was very clear to me. And I need to give up this again, right? I want to invite, invite the musicians forward and say, is there any situation, any person that you know, that you hope, doesn't succeed, or maybe that you're envious of, you're angry of, about, you're angry at, or a situation. And, and you might be absolutely in the right to be upset. But it has gotten deep within you, and it has caused bitterness, whether you realize it or not. And I'm not trying to force something on anybody that isn't true, because if it isn't the case for you, Praise the Lord. And he may want to be using you as a minister of reconciliation to help somebody else who's really struggling with a relationship or a situation. Amen? I'm going to ask the question again today, what is God saying to me that I need to be saying yes to? And in this case, the yes might be giving something up that, is only going to do me harm. Saying yes might be saying yes to forgiveness, or it might be saying yes to asking for forgiveness. Let's pray together. Lord, I confess we're not we're not simple people in some ways because life just gets so so complex. But you are always with us. You are never changing. And that grace is always there, along with so many other things, that grace is always there for us to say, thank you, Lord, for the grace. And I will walk in that by your help and by your grace. So, Lord, I pray for anybody today who who's struggling with a relationship or, or, or struggling with I just can't get rid of that or I, I just can't release that. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that in that situation that there could be release, there could be freedom, and we, we pray, Lord, against spirit of bitterness in Jesus' name. A spirit of control. The spirit of, really, the, the spirit of murder. As I remember, Jesus said, you've been told don't murder, but I've been told don't even, don't even get so angry with your brother or your sister. So, Lord, I thank you for the check on my heart about that. And help us, Lord, to continue to walk in, as new creatures. That's what we are. In you, new creatures who love to extend the grace that you have extended to us in Jesus